Okay, so I was, I was been looking at this passage, this gospel passage, for, for you know, about a week. And um, the, the plain meaning, or the, the general meaning, at least of the second part, which I think is, is where we naturally gravitate toward the second half of the parable when the payment comes. It's like, so I guess not even necessarily, well, it's about halfway through. Uh, the, this part where the, where the payment comes of the people who, you know, they, they all receive the same usual daily wage. Um, and the plain meaning of that, I think, is, is fairly clear, that, that when you come into the Lord's vineyard, it doesn't matter so much what time you come, but that you come and, and you receive the, da- the daily wage, which is heaven. Uh, when, when you come into the Lord's vineyard, you receive the, the gift of heaven. And of course, some people are, are at it their entire lives, and, and so they're working in the vineyard of the Lord for their entire lives, toiling for the Lord. And then there are others who have, we could call it like a deathbed conversion, right? They, they, they suddenly, uh, they're maybe away from the Lord. They suddenly call for a priest and they receive the sacrament of, of reconciliation, the sacrament of anointing of the sick, and they, they have their conversion. And so they're, they're too welcomed into the kingdom of heaven. And, and, and the, there's difficulty, of course, because it's, it's like, well, they only worked for part of the time and they worked for the whole time. And, and yet it says you have made them equal to us. They all receive the kingdom. Um, and our, our minds naturally gravitate toward that, and, and for good reason. You know, we, we, can, we can wonder about, like, how does that work, that, that the Lord is willing to pay the same wage to completely different groups of people, uh, and yet he's happy to do so because he's generous. And, and again, we, we, can, we can reflect on, like, okay, well, where, where are we in that? Am, am, I, am I one who rejoices in the generosity of God in that way? Or am I someone who maybe wants to be a, a, a little grumbly when I see somebody have a conversion and, and talk about how, how they're in heaven as well? Am I somebody who is waiting for the 11th hour, uh, perhaps? Somebody who's waiting for conversion. I'm, I'm, I'll wait until I get a little closer to death and then I'll turn it, turn it around. Or am I somebody who's eager to get after it, just waiting for the Lord to, to come and invite me into his kingdom? Like we could, we could reflect on all of those things. Um, you, you know by now that, that sometimes I preach about that, that kind of thing, the, the most sort of clear way of talking about it. But you also know that there are other times that I like to look at passages that I want to look to see if there's another angle to talk about this. Because w- what I've noticed is, is that, um, at least in my experiences, uh, experience, a lot of priests talk about the same things. And um, we can see how a lot of priests talking about the same things has resulted for the church in mostly empty churches, right? So, so talking about the same things over and over and over again is, is maybe not the most helpful thing. And, and that's not to say that this isn't a helpful way to look at the parable, um, but you can do that in your own time. What, what I noticed this morning as I was looking at this is, is the question that the master of the vineyard asks to the people as he sees them at five o'clock in the marketplace. The question is this, why do you stand here idle all day? He comes to them, And he simply asks them this question. And what that caused me to wonder is this. Are we even sure that we're in the vineyard of the Lord? Are you even in the vineyard of the Lord? Now, I know that asking that question to a group of people at Sunday Mass might sound strange. I also know that it might sound like kind of a sharp question. And I know that a lot of times I can ask sharp questions and they can can feel a bit sharp, offensive. And, and, and sometimes, a lot of times, they're intended to be that way. Not maybe for the reason that you think, right? So it can sound like I'm trying to come down on you, like, are you even sure that you're there? But you have to remember, I don't know your personal lives well enough to know the answer of that question for yourself. I don't, I don't know the answer for you to that question. But the question has to be asked. 
Because something that we have in the church today is we have a whole bunch of people who assume that they're in the vineyard of the Lord, when in fact, it seems like many of them are not. And and so we got to ask the question, are you even in the vineyard? Because if you're not even in the vineyard, if you're standing idle in the marketplace, and we'll talk a little bit about what that looks like, if you're standing idle in the marketplace, then there's not actually a daily wage for you to receive. Because the master of the vineyard gives the daily wage to those who are at work in his vineyard. So if a person's not there, they're not going to receive the wage. This, this, hopefully you can see how th- this is so important that, that before we even talk about receiving the wage, we have to get to this foundational question of like, where am I standing right now? Now, what, what does it mean to go into somebody's vineyard? Well, we live in farming country. So generally speaking, we, we know what that looks like, right? We know what it looks like to go into somebody's area where they're trying to build up a crop of some sort. For this person, it was a vineyard. But, but we could imagine if you hire somebody to go into your farm and work, or if, or if you're hired to go into somebody else's farm to go to work, well, there are certain things that are going to be necessary for that person if they're going to work for you. Right? If you go and you find someone and say, hey, I'm looking for a hired man, will you come and work? Well, great. Okay, well, when they get to your farm, what are you going to be expecting them to do? You're going to be expecting them to do whatever you tell them to do. And what you're going to tell them to do is going to be the very thing that's going to help build up a good crop, that's going to help, help build up good fruit for your, your farm, for, for your vineyard, for your kingdom, we could say. So, so part of beginning to ask this question of, uh, am I in the vineyard of the Lord? I need to be asking the question, am I living my life in such a way that I'm helping to build good fruit for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of heaven? What, what is it that, that builds good fruit? Well, first, I need to ask the question, am I doing whatever the Lord tells me to do? Am I even tuned in to the voice of the Lord? Which comes, let's be super clear about this, the voice of the Lord comes through the Gospels. So if you're not reading the Gospels, that means you're not actually doing whatever the Lord tells you to do. And from there, it also the voice of the Lord also comes through his church. Jesus, Jesus is really clear about this. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So if we're not doing what the Lord commands us to do, then we're not even in his vineyard. And if we're not in his vineyard, then there's no reason that we would expect to receive the daily wage, which is heaven itself. But but from there, from there, what what else can we be looking for? Well, Jesus talks about certain things, about praying. Are you growing in your prayer? He talks about avoiding sin and repenting of your sin. Are Are you avoiding sin and repenting of your sin? He talks about offering worship. Are you, are you coming to Mass and offering worship? And, and again, like I'm asking these questions and I know that some of you might wonder like, gosh, it seems like Father's maybe talking about me or he's trying to attack me. And that's not the case. Remember, I don't know your personal lives. I, I, I only know you when I see you at Mass. And if you're not here, then I hope and I, I try to assume that you're at Mass someplace else at some other church, but, but I don't know you in between. So these are questions that, that I have to ask for myself, but you also have to ask for yourself. Because again, they're so foundational that we can't just skip over them. So, so things like, like prayer, growing in prayer, growing in my understanding of the word of God, growing in, in my, my repentance of sins, uh, growing in, in the kingdom by doing what? By talking to other people about this incredible vineyard that I'm working in, right? Am I helping to grow the kingdom by sharing the kingdom with other people? 
This is, this is such an important thing because, again, we, we all want to assume that we're in the kingdom. But what does St. Paul say at the end of our reading? He says, only conduct yourselves in a way worthy of the gospel of Christ. Conduct yourselves in a way that is worthy of the gospel, which, of course, implies what? Well, it implies that there's a way that is worthy for the gospel, but there's also a way that is unworthy for the gospel of Christ. And so if we're living our lives in a way that is unworthy of the gospel of Christ, then that means what? It means we're not in his vineyard. So that's the next sort of question, right? If I, am I in the vineyard of the Lord? I could also ask the same question in a different way. Am I living in a way that is worthy of the gospel? Well, what is the gospel? The gospel is God creates everything. And his favorite creature is you and me made in his image and likeness. You and I rebel against him because of our sins. We refuse to worship him. We refuse to follow his commandments. We refuse to give him the attention that we owe to him. And because of that, it's not he who suffers, but it's we who suffer because we're stuck, trapped in sin, enslaved to the devil. And in response to that, God, rather than giving up on his favorite creature, he comes to the rescue of his favorite creature by dying for us on the cross, humiliating himself so that we could be brought back into his family. What, what is worthy of that? How can I live in a worthy way of that? Well, anything short of giving my entire life for this is unworthy. St. Paul, I think, is, is the perfect example of this. He's writing this letter to the Philippians from, from prison. So he's been in prison. Why is he in prison? Because he was preaching about the kingdom of God. Because he was preaching about how Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of everything in the scriptures of old. And because of that, he is put in prison and he's, he's facing death, right? This is why he writes, um, for, uh, I, I, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. I'm, I'm maybe going to die because of what I'm preaching about the gospel. And, and if I die, well, what? Death is gain, he says. If I die, I get to go and be with the Lord, which is an incredible thing. I get to be with my best friend face to face. But if I go on living, what does he say? If I go on living in the flesh, that means what? It means fruitful labor for me. Paul is consumed by this this desire, he's consumed by the reality, the need of, of responding worthily to the gospel of Christ. And this worthy response means be doing fruitful labor for the gospel, building up the kingdom, building up the vineyard of the Lord as much as he possibly can. And so that's something that he actually looks forward to. He says, I do not know which I shall choose. I'm caught between the two because if I depart this life, I get to be with Jesus. But if I go on living, that actually means a greater benefit for you because I get to share more with you about the kingdom of God and I get to build up the kingdom more and more and more and more. And we skip this verse, but it goes on and he says, you know what? And for that reason, I know that I'm actually going to go on living because, because I desire so much to share the fruit of the labor with you and for you. This is, this is Paul's response. This is Paul's understanding of living, conducting ourselves in a way that is worthy of the gospel. So, so if we're talking about working in the vineyard of the Lord and seeking to receive that daily wage, this is the kind of thing that we're talking about of like letting our lives be consumed by this. Letting our lives be consumed by, by the desire, the need to respond appropriately by keeping the Lord's commandments, by offering worship on a, on a weekly, if not a daily basis, by, by striving to grow apart from sin and grow toward virtue, by striving to understand the scriptures in a deeper way, to, to seek to understand what the church teaches, like letting ourselves be consumed by this. And I know that this is maybe not something that, that we talk about very much, that, that the gospel and, and, and what we do as Catholic Christians is meant to consume our lives. 
But this is the truth. Now, now what can happen is this. Sometimes people can get to such a place in their life that, that they're not actually open to receiving the invitation from the Lord. I was thinking about this as, as you read the parable. There, there are people who are standing idle in the marketplace, but there are other people who aren't standing idle and they're not in the vineyard of the Lord. There are other people, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular because I don't know you well enough to know the answer to this, but there are many people in the church today who are not standing idle, they're not in the vineyard of the Lord, and in fact, they've decided to go to someone else's vineyard. And so they're not even open to receiving the command, the call of the Lord. And I know this is the case because for part of my life, this was the case. That, that I was in someone else's vineyard, not actually interested in the call of Jesus to go into his vineyard. There are plenty of people in the church so that it doesn't matter what the readings proclaim to them. It doesn't matter what the priest preaches about. But all they do, maybe even are coming to mass, but they're just sitting there and saying, you know what? Father's wrong about this. I know the Bible teaches this. I know the church teaches this, but I don't have to do this. That one's not for me. For those people, their ears are so closed and their eyes are so blocked that they can't even see Jesus or hear him standing in front of them, calling to them to go into the vineyard. And so for those people, it doesn't matter what the readings say. It doesn't matter what the priest preaches. And that's a tragic thing. And for those people, maybe, maybe there are some in our church, who knows? But for those people, all we can do is pray and hope that maybe somehow the Lord can find a way to go around them and tap them on the back and cause them to turn around. Maybe. We entrust that to the Lord. But for those of us maybe who are receiving this and hearing it and saying, you know what? I've never actually done this before. I've never heard the call of Jesus. Or maybe I've never actually responded to the call of Jesus. Maybe some of us are saying, you know what? I've been standing idle for too long and I'm ready to go into the vineyard of the Lord. For you, what does the Lord say? Well, in our first reading, it says this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call him while he is near. Seek him while he may be found. In other words, there's, there's a bit of a warning in this, right? If, if, someone, if someone, seek him while he's here, that word while, right? If you have a family member that comes to visit you, it's like, okay, well, you better spend time with, with that person while he is there, right? Because that implies that it, that person won't always be around. So seek the Lord while he is with you. That implies that he's not always going to be around because it's possible, he's saying, it's possible for you to be one of those people that becomes closed in the ears and closed in the eyes. And so while your eyes are opened and while your ears are opened, seek him, look for him. Forsake your way. Let the scoundrel forsake his way and the wicked his thoughts. Let those who are stuck in sin, those who are outside of the, the, the workplace of the Lord, the vineyard of the Lord, let those people set aside whatever it is that's hindering them from entering into the vineyard. Let them get rid of those things. Let the scoundrel forsake them, the wicked forsake them, so that they can eagerly go into the vineyard of the Lord. When we get to that kind of a place where we are eager and ready to respond to the Lord by going into his vineyard to go to work for him, to grow in prayer, to grow in virtue, to, to, to fall away from sin, to, to uh, grow in our understanding of the scriptures, to talk to others about Jesus. When we're in that place where we're ready to do this, to go to work for the Lord, it's then and only then that we actually encounter his incredible generosity and forgiving. We can't talk about his generosity and forgiving for those who are closed in their eyes and in their ears because, because they're not even open to receiving forgiveness. But when a person is ready to say, you know what, I'm ready to let my life be changed by this, it's then that the repentance of sins and the sacrament of reconciliation, those beautiful words can be heard where it says, I absolve you from your sins. Where we hear the Lord say, 
neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This, this, this is the most beautiful thing. It's the most beautiful kind of friendship where, where we can go to work. Again, whatever the past of your life has looked like, whether you've been at this for years and years and years or whether you're, you're maybe just beginning to have a little bit of a conversion, whatever it is, to seek the Lord in forgiveness and mercy. And I know that this is something that we have to seek on a regular basis because I know it's true in my own life, that there are plenty of times in my own life where I can sense the Lord standing in front of me, inviting me deeper, inviting me further into his vineyard to go to work a little bit more. And I can tell you, and there, there are plenty of times in my life when I sense that invitation and I simply say no. And later on, I reflect on the fact, and I have to too, I have to repent of my sins. I have to go to confession and receive the forgiveness of the Lord, the generous forgiveness of the Lord. And it's in that place, once I recognize my failures, my, my sins, my faults, and I go to him, then I recognize he doesn't have to forgive me, but because he's so generous in forgiving, he forgives. So that once again, I can be brought back into his vineyard and go to work for him this incredible invitation. But brothers and sisters, if we're not willing to even hear the invitation, if we're not willing to accept the invitation, if we're not willing to move into his vineyard, then we'll never truly know his generosity, not in this life or in the life that is to come. We might think that we know it, but we won't truly know the beautiful friendship. We won't know those words from Jesus when he looks at us and he says, my friend, my friend. What a gift to hear those words. Let's ask the Lord for the courage to respond, to conduct ourselves worthily according to the gospel of Christ.